Masechet Nazir Daf Nun. We're commenting on the Mishnah that said Al Kazait Met Val Kazait Netzel. The Mishnah listed a whole bunch of items that cause Tumat Met, uh, such that if a Nazir would come into contact, become Tameh with them, uh, uh, through, through touching, carrying, Ohel, um, then they would become Tameh, Lamet, and that would stop their Nazirut. They have to count all over again and bring Korbanot. Okay, so we mentioned not only if it's an entire body, but also even if it's a kazait, uh, a piece of flesh, or kazait of netzel is some kind of fluid. All right, the following discussion will be a little bit gory, um, but we'll get through it. So, what is the definition of fluid? Um, it is the flesh of the corpse that liquefied and congealed, um, or liquid that began to boil but then hardened. Okay, I'm going to tell you what the bottom line is. Uh, is that when we uh, talk about this fluid, we do not include bodily fluids that are excreted when a person is, is alive, like saliva and mucus. That does not count. Um, that's not considered part of the body, but rather only if it's, um, it's an actual part of the body. Um, that, uh, that, 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 so that's why it says here, um, uh, the, has to be some kind of, uh, something that, um, liquefied and congealed or something that boiled and hardened. That's what it said. That's what Netzel is referring to. So then we ask, what exactly are you talking about? says, so why are you making a separate category for this? Uh, for this liquid, right? Is, is it that we don't know if it's actually from the body? We saw some liquid nearby uh, where the person's uh, body was, and we don't know if it came, it came from his body or not. So then if it congealed, what's the difference? I mean, what does it matter? There are other liquids that can congeal. So how does it help us if it congealed? Is that, that's not a test to, that we would know if it's from the body or from something else. Um, rather, if we don't know, rather, we do know it's from the body. Well, if we know it's from his body, then even if it didn't congeal, if this is a liquid that came from his body, then it's part of his body, and then a kizite of it would cause tum'ah. So what are, you, what, are, what, are, what are you talking about? And here's the bottom line. So no, we found it, right, you know, with the body. So we assume, yes, it comes from the body. And the test is, if it congeals, then that is called um, a liquid that came from it. But if it doesn't congeal, then we assume that that is phlegm or spit. Um, so that's the difference. If it's a part of the body, some kind of you know fat or, I don't know, uh, some other part of the body, blood, um, th- those kinds of things, um, even though they're liquidy, they congeal. Those are part of the body, and therefore they cause tum'ah, whereas these other um, liquids like spit never congeal, and that's how you know it's not an essential bodily part but rather an external bodily fluid. Okay, good. So um, now we understand what netzel is. Next question is, we, un- we know so far we proved that netzel, this liquid uh, part of a body for a human corpse, does cause tumat met. But what about for an animal? Um, animal nevela causes tumat. Um, so uh, that's that would certainly be for a whole animal. The flesh of an animal uh, would cause tumah. But what about the liquid part of an animal that congealed, like we uh, like we were talking about? Does netzel also cause tumah of an ad- from an animal or not? 
מי אמרינן גמירי נסר דעתם מאדם, אבל דעתם מבהמלה, או דילמה לשינה. Do we say that the oral tradition that was mentioned in the Mishnah is talking about only a human a corpse, that, that the liquid uh, causes tumat met, but from an animal, no, that was never part of the oral tradition, and so therefore we should assume only the solid flesh of an animal causes tumat and not the liquid. Um, or does it, do we say, no, it doesn't matter, right? And the tradition applies to both humans and animals. Okay, so that's the question. So now we're going to partially answer it and partially not. So there is a, a machloket about if, uh, if food, how unedible does food have to be before it becomes not tameh anymore, right? Uh, food tumah only applies as long as something is edible. If something becomes, uh, um, the, the, you know, decays beyond being edible, then it's not called food anymore, and so it does not impart that tum'ah anymore. Uh, but there's two different standards for what is considered edible, edible for a human or edible for a dog, right? For lots of laws of kashrut, like for hametz, we say even if it's only edible for a dog, that's still called hametz. Um, for others, we follow, uh, is it edible to a human? So there's a machloket about this regarding tum'ah hamura. A nevela is called tum'ah hamura. It's called hamura stringent because it, it imparts tum'ah not only by contact, but also by carrying. Now, tum'ah hamura, one opinion says, that applies only to a human being. It says lager, get here is referring to a ger toshav, not a ger who completely converted. A convert has to follow all the mitzvot. But a ger means a foreigner who happens to be living nearby you. And it says regarding a nevela, right, la, uh, that you can give it to a ger or to an animal. Uh, you cannot eat the nevela, but you can benefit from it by giving it to a ger, to um, a, a resident alien uh, who is not Jewish. Um, okay, so uh, there is one opinion that says that Tumah Nevela only applies, um, the, the prohibition only applies if it's edible to a human being. But if it's uh, not edible to a human being, then it does not apply. Uh, tumah Kalat does, does not apply here, so it's just we're bringing it here to, to fill, out, fill it out. Right? Other types of Tumah would be even for, even if it's only edible to a dog. So according to that opinion, we don't. We we can answer this question because we can assume that this animal liquid that came out and congealed would not be edible to a human being, since it's not edible to a human being, it would not impart tumah, uh, and therefore that would be the answer. That's right. Uh, tumat met for a human being. That's uh, more serious, and even the liquid would cause tumat met um, from a human body. But for an animal, that nevela tumah does not apply to anything that is not edible by humans, and net sale is not edible by humans. Okay, so according to that opinion, it's easy to answer. But there's another opinion that says um, that Tum'ah Hamura means the Tum'ah of a Nevela applies to any food, even if it's only edible to a dog. If even a dog would not eat it, then uh, forget it. Then it's not going to impart any Tum'ah. But if, if, a dog, if a dog would eat it, any that point or better, it does impart tumah. So in this kind of liquid that came off from a nevela and congealed, 
Um, this is going to be, um, this can impart, would impart tuma in terms of it being edible enough. It is edible enough because a dog would eat it. So that's, that's what we're asking about. Does the, does tuma apply only to the flesh part of an animal or also to the liquid part of the animal? Would that impart tuma to a person who uh, touches it or carries it? So we're going to attempt an answer, but it will be disproven. Tashema. Himchuhu ba'ur tameh. Bahama tahor. This Tosefta says, we have some fat from an animal carcass. If one melted it in fire, it remains tameh. But if it melts in the sun, then um, it's tahor. The idea is that the fat that you have here, this is fat from a nevela bird. Um, if you uh, um, melt it in fire, like over a stove, so that's a regular way of cooking. So that doesn't make it disgusting at all. And so uh, certainly that would be tameh. Uh, it's not kosher, but a, uh, a nanju can eat it. Um, and so that is perfectly edible. And it does not even fall into the category of netzel, uh, because netzel is only after it putrefies and liquefies and then re-congeals. Uh, so this uh, certainly would be uh, just the same as, as flesh, of the nevela bird and would be tameh. However, if it's left out in the sun and it ends up, you know, liquefying, melting in the sun and congealing, so by that time that causes a tremendous amount of decay and that is considered netzel. This is this liquid that, uh, that uh, putrefies and congeals. And yet it's tahor. So why is it tahor when it's left out in the sun? So if you think that tum'ah, tum'ah of nevela, extends as long as it's edible even to a dog, so when it's left out in the sun here, um, then it's no longer going to be edible to a human, but it is edible to a dog. So the, the other opinion that's before, that it has to be uh, edible to a human, can explain this baraita uh, easily. Um, that if in the or then it's tameh, um, because that's, that's per, that's like flesh and it's edible. And the chama now is not edible anymore, um, because a human can't eat it. But according to the other opinion that says, even if it's edible to a dog, it would impart tum'ah. Um, so, but here it's tahor. So why? Why is it tahor? Um, even in, uh, in the sun, it should also be tameh, because a dog can still eat it. Oh, we can learn from here. That's because it's netzel, because it falls into the category not of flesh, but of this type of liquid that exudes um, and congeals. So um, because uh, uh, that's why. Uh, so the reason it's tahor must be not because it's not edible. It is edible to a dog. It must be because it's netzel. And so we can prove from here that the category of netzel tuma applies only to a human corpse, but not to an animal corpse. Is that a good proof? We say no. No, if you, if you, if you go and check, when does uh, fat like this uh, uh, liquefy? Um, that's only after it be totally putrefies um, and, uh, and that, that's when it melts in the sun. But once it putrefies, then it's like dust. In other words, it's not even fit for a dog if it goes through that process. And that's the reason why it's tahor and not because it's netzel or not netzel. So in the end, we do not have a proof according to this opinion. Uh, whether the tuma of Netzel applies to animals. All right, and now we get to a new topic. It is quite a fascinating topic. Uh, it's important for historical reasons. The Mishnah in Machshirin that teaches Tenan, Kol Hanisok Tahor, a liquid stream is pure. Uh, in order to introduce this topic, because it's a little bit 
complicated but fascinating, uh, it's worth looking at a couple of sources. Uh, one is the Mishnah. Um, we're talking about here a liquid stream. It's a case is as follows. Let's say you have a Tum'ah bowl right down here uh, underneath. Uh, Tum'ah bowl. And then you have a, uh, a, uh, a, a bottle, a bottle here, right, of some liquid that's Tahor. And you take the Tahor and pour it into the Tum'ah bowl. So you have a liquid stream connecting the Tameh bowl on the bottom and the Tahor bottle on top. The question is, does that liquid stream make a connection and will the Tum'ah from the bottom bowl therefore go up into the top uh, bottle or does Tum'ah will go only go downstream if they're actually uh, uh, touching, but it doesn't go through the through that liquid stream. Okay, this was a major controversy uh, in the times of the second Bet HaMikdash. Um, and uh, in, a, a, in one of the scrolls from the Dead Sea called MMT, or the Halachic Letter, this is a scroll that lists 22 matters of Halachic dispute between the sectarians, the Dead Sea sect, uh, to the Kohen Gadol in Yerushalayim, in which they say, So they think that a liquid stream does not cause a separation between Tameh and Tahor, rather, rather, they're all one connection. So according to the Dead Sea sect, they're stringent about this. And they say, yeah, that liquid stream, whether it doesn't even, even if the bottom one is the one as Tameh, that causes a connection and it's as if they're touching because at that point when it's being poured there that that uh, that liquid stream connects them and therefore they're all one and the Tum'ah can go from one to the other and therefore the bottle on top will all become Tameh. That's the sectarian say. However, the rabbis do not agree to that. And the rabbi's opinion is recorded in this Mishnah that says, um, the Sadokim. This is very interesting because the Mishnah here quotes the Sadducees who have the same opinion as the Dead Sea sect. Um, and so the Mishnah is quoting the Sadducees, complaining about the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the same as the rabbi, rabbinic opinion. that says, we complain that you say that the Nisok is Tahor, that the liquid connection, you think it's fine because you don't think that a liquid connection is connected. Uh, you think it makes a break. And then the, the, the Pharisees answer them and says, well, your position makes no sense as impossible to live with. Because if you have an aqueduct and the aqueduct passes through a cemetery anywhere, even downstream, it will cause the entire aqueduct to become, uh, tameh. And in Roman cities, um, they had, they had plumbing in which, so if you have a, you know, like a modern city with plumbing, if anyone tameh anywhere in the system touches some water, then it will go upstream throughout everywhere and make all water tameh throughout the entire system and it would be impossible to live in uh, any uh, any kind of modern city or Roman city. Maybe that's precisely why the Dead Sea sect went and lived in the um, near the Dead Sea so they wouldn't have to worry about this. Okay, so that's just a little background uh, to understand the liquid stream, although the sectarians say it is a connection, but the rabbis say it is not a connection. Okay, so that's good for water and other liquids. So here's the, the, the Mishnah says, Kol hanisok tahor, all liquid streams are pure, meaning they do not connect the two vessels, right? A liquid stream is not a connection. However, the Mishnah adds, Chutz midevash hazifim vehasapichit, except for zifim honey and batter, right, of, of a flour uh, mixed with mixed with honey. So this uh, this honey comes from this place called zif, 
and apparently this was very thick honey. And so honey is viscous, and so it's somewhere in between a liquid and a solid, right? Two solids that touch each other will, uh, will impart tum'ah, but liquids do not cause tum'ah to transfer. So this, these things in between, honey and batter, uh, in fact, do cause tum'ah to transfer. Right? So they are not tahor, they are tameh. Okay, so that's the halakha regarding honey. Now, um, uh, that's the beginning, that's tanakama. Bechamai omerim af hamikpah shel girisin veshel ful mipeneh shehi soledet laachareha. Bechamai is a little bit more machmir, and they say also a stew made out, made out of uh, crushed beans or, or whole beans. Um, this kind of, of stew, uh, you, you can imagine a fool, like a, you know, a, um, a, a, um, a bean, uh, a bean soup or bean stew is very, th- it's liquidy, but it's quite thick. And therefore, when you pour, right, ever try to pour some kind of a thick soup, or stew, so then as you're pouring, uh, if you stop pouring, some of it goes back into the bowl, right? Unlike, uh, uh, unlike water, that the second you stop, anything that, you know, past the, the lip is gonna fall, but for stew, just like for honey, right, when you start pouring, ever try to pour honey, it doesn't work. You can never stop pouring it, because every time you stop, right, more, you know, some wants to come out, some goes back in, because it's so connected. Um, so Bet Shammai says um, that this uh, bean stew, even though it's less sticky than honey, but that also is considered um, like a like a solid. Uh, whereas the Tanakama, assuming Bet Hillel would say, no, it's uh, it's more liquidy. Stew is is more like a liquid and will um, therefore not form a connection. Whereas honey is more sticky and therefore will form a connection. Uh, so interestingly, Bet Shammai is machmir about this. Um, that is interesting because Bet Shammai reflects an earlier layer of the halacha and is a little bit closer to the sectarian view that says um, even liquids are um, cause a connection. So Bet Shammai uh, disagrees with that. He's, uh, he's part of the Pharisaic camp, but within the Pharisaic camp, Bet Shammai is a little bit more stringent to say that even somewhat, some, something somewhat liquidy um, but, uh, but uh, a little bit solid, like uh, like stew, um, is going to be uh, is going to be stringent and say that that's more that's uh, uh, like a solid and does create a connection. Whereas Betty Lel says no, only something that's very sticky, um, uh, like honey. All right, so that's the background. Now, based on that, we have a question. Rami Bar Chama asks, um, do we apply the law of uh, liquid connection to foods? He means food that's melted. Let's say you have some fat and it's melted. So fat as a solid will transfer to ma, but now that you melted it, what do we say about that? Do we consider it like water, like a regular liquid? Um, uh, or do we consider it kind of like honey um, that's uh, thick and viscous? Uh, so do we apply the law of Nisok and it will make a connection? Or do we say, no, there's no connection for food that melted? Now, here's the two sides of the question. Um, do we say that since it, um, uh, be, that since it has riri, means uh, uh, flow or stickiness, that, um, that it would flow backwards? Um, so, and that's the reason why honey, it does make a connection. And this fat that melts does not have that stickiness um, such that when you pour it, 
right? When you pour honey and then you stop pouring it, so some of it goes back into the container because it's so it's so sticky. Um, so maybe that's the reason why the Tanakhama says honey is considered a connection um, and uh, liquids are not. So if that's the reason, then melted fat would be like water and would not make a, a Nitzor connection. In other words, if it was Tahor connected to Tameh, the Tahor would remain Tahor. Or, or do we say, no, the reason that honey does make a, uh, a connection is because it's thick and viscous and the melted fat is not watery, it's pretty thick. And so therefore it would be the same law, just like the honey does form a connection and will transfer to ma, so too melted fat also would. So that's the essential question. What is the essential factor about this honey and the batter? Are right, we going to attempt two answers? Neither will work. Amarava Tashima Chelev Hamet Shehu Shalem Vihitihotame Hayame Forad Vihitihotahor. Tosefta teaches that if there is um, some fat from a human corpse and it's a full, a, a solid piece that's, a, a, that's at least a kezayit big. So if it's uh, solid, then certainly that's a kezayit from a met and that will cause tum'ah, the uh, uh, tent impurity. Um, and, but if it melted down, still it's tame. Even though it's melted, still it, it, it's, uh, it's the same thing. Um, however, if it was separate pieces and each piece was less than a kezayit, um, so then each white piece by itself is not going to cause uh, tent impurity. But if you melted it down, and even if you melt it down, still tahor, right? So the melting of it down does not make it turn it into one piece. Our proof is going to be from the first case. If you think that um, uh, liquid connections are not connections for food, then when you have a hole and you melt it down, so then we can we, we should consider it just a liquid. And since liquid does not form a connection, so this liquidy uh, uh, fat uh, should not be considered a whole. And therefore, it should not be tameh, right? It should be not just disparate molecules um, that have that are not connected to each other. So the fact that it says, even though when you melt it down, it's still considered one thing, that is a proof that um, it is uh, considered a connection, right? And there is nitzok for ochalin. Is that a good proof? The Bizera says, no, it's not a good proof because myself and also more the son of Ravina, when we uh, looked into this case, we explained that this Tosefta is dealing with the following scenario. We're talking about where, while it was being heated in this pot, um, a column of fire rose under the pan to the mouth of the vessel and this fat just congealed at the top of it. Um, so actually, it never melted and got all over the place. It just rose to the top and congealed on uh, on uh, on the top, and there was never a stream. So therefore, that that's the reason why um, uh, that he melted it. It remains tameh because it always it always remained one congealed piece altogether. Okay, so that's why it's not a proof. All right, a second uh, attempted. Uh, answer. Maybe we can learn from the second part of that of that source, which was Betshamai's opinion, and assuming for, for the second that Tanakama and Betshamai would agree in principle. 
Beth Shammai said that this bean stew does form a connection because it turns backwards when you try to when you pour it and stop then some of it goes back up. So that means it has that sticky factor. Um, and so assuming uh, that uh, bet, bet, uh, the Tanakama would agree, so they would also say the main part, the main thing that causes honey to form a, a liquid stream is that it has that stickiness factor that it goes and it goes back up. Um, but if it was uh, any other uh, kind of food that was melted, but and even if it's thick, but it doesn't have that stickiness factor, um, then it would be more like water and would not make a liquid and would not make a nitzok connection. Um, so that's what it would seem. And according to that, the only difference of opinion is is bean stew. Does it have that? Uh, does it turn backwards sufficiently, or does not turn backwards sufficiently? Um, so that would um, that would seem to be an answer uh, to to the question um, that uh, basically it has to have be like honey, but otherwise liquid general liquid uh, um, uh, melted food would not form a connection but then we reject that not necessarily the same in other words Tanakama doesn't necessarily agree with Bet Shammai maybe according to Bet Shammai he has this uh, thing that has to go backwards um, uh, uh, but there um, in the case of the honey, maybe the honey is a connection because it's it's uh, thick, and so in fact, according to Tanakama, anything thick would be um, would form a connection. Whereas here, Bet Shammai said no, it's because of the the flow that it turn returns backwards, and that's why be, because it's sticky. But they might have had might have had a different reason than Tanakama, so we can't really tell what Tanakama thinks based on this source, and so we leave it open. And then we get to the last connection, the last uh, section. Ve'ad melo tarvad rakav. The Mishnah mentioned that the amount of uh, dust from a corpse that would cause tumat uh, met for tent impurity um, that would affect the nazir as well uh, is a ladleful. So how much? How much is a ladleful? So Chizkiah said it would be the amount that you could fit in just in the palm without the fingers, just the palm. Whereas Biochanan says handfuls. Uh, handfuls might actually mean two hands. Or maybe just means mean one handful. Uh, let's just say one handful for simplicity, simplicity's sake to contrast them. Okay, so this guy says basically half a hand, only the palm, and Rabbi Yochanan says the entire hand, what you can fit in the whole whole fist. Tenan, me, the whole the whole open hand. Tenan. So after we brought these two Amoraim, now we're going to bring a Braita that has two opinions of Tanaim that say that this ladle full of dust that they said, um, this is from the edge of the fingers and upwards, which seems to mean from the edge of the fingers, right, where it meets the palm, and upwards to the tips of the fingers, according to the Bimeir. Hachamim say, Melochofnav, an entire handful. All right, so now we have these two Amoraim and these two Tanaim. Do they match up? So Rabbi Yochanan says the exact same thing as Rabbanan. They say the same words, right? So it doesn't matter whether it means one handful or two handfuls, um, like this, right? So that's a full, um, that's a full amount. Rabbi Yochanan has follows Hachamim. That says a palm full. Well, that doesn't follow 
Rabbananu who says a whole hand. It also doesn't follow Rabbi Meir who says just the fingers, uh, a fingerful, a palm, palmfuls. That's different from fingerful. fingerful. So Chizkiyah, who are you following? And we have an answer. In fact, it's the same amount. Um, it's a half, so both half a hand. Whether it's the the palm or the fingers, this, those are equal to each other. So in fact, Chizkiyah it can be following the Bimeir. Okay, that seems to answer the question. But then we raise an, a simpler answer and wonder why we didn't say the simpler answer. So, why were they assuming in this discussion above that when it says from the fingers and above, that meant from the where the fingers attached to the palm and above to the tips, maybe it meant the opposite. Maybe it means... Um, from the fingers, where that line, where the finger is attached to the palm, and uh, above may, uh, means uh, towards the arm, uh, right? Lemala, just this question of your, are you holding your hand up or are you, is it down by your side? Um, if it's down by your side, then you can understand this. Milo uh, Pesat Yav um, uh, said, Milo Pesat Yav, uh, here, um, uh, said, Rabbi Meir says, ulmala means from the base of the fingers, if your hand is, is, uh, being, is facing down, and above means uh, to the wrist. That means your palm. And so, in fact, they would be saying exactly the same. Chizkiah says your palm, and um, Rabbi Meir says the same thing, from the edges of the fingers to the wrist, which is also the palm. And therefore, they're exactly saying the same thing. You didn't even need to ask this in the first place. And so we end with a teko, meaning we don't have an answer to this. This is an unusual uh, use of teko. It's not that we ask a halakhic question, we don't know what the answer is. Um, we actually have an even better answer. So our wonder, we're wondering, why did they even bother giving this forced answer that uh, the fingers are the same as the palm, when they could have just uh, explained um, to mean the palm itself, and so we leave that standing. Baruch Adonai Amen v'Amen.